When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. I think we better talk this over. Maybe when we both get sober. You'll understand that I'm only a man doing the best that I can. This is Pod Dylan that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fine Water Podcast Network. I'm your host of Freewheeling, Rob Kelly. And joining me this week to talk about We Better Talk This Over from 1978 Street Legal. Yes, is musician and Bobcat Davide Sana. Hi, Davide. Hey, Rob. Great to be here. Thank you so Thank much for being me. here. I am. Yes, I'm so excited to talk to you. I love this song. I love this song so, so very do much. I. Absolutely. Yes. And of course, Street Legal, our beloved Street Legal. Indeed, <laughs> so indeed. anytime we have a chance to talk about this, this record, I'm just so, so excited. But uh, first, I mean, you, as I mentioned in the intro, you are a musician. You're a touring musician. You, as you mentioned to me, you have your own version of the, the never ending tours. So I want to get into all that. You've even worked with sure. someone who's worked with Bob, but let's start at the beginning. How did you become a fan in the first place? I I think we are about the same age. I was born. Well, I shouldn't I shouldn't reveal your age, but I will re- reveal mine. I was born in the early uh, in the early seventies, nineteen seventy one. Bingo. And I uh, yeah. And I I I think for the first eight nine years of my life, I I never heard the name Bob Dylan. I didn't know he you know there was such thing <laughs> um, until in September 1980, uh, a TV network from mainland Italy, I should mention I come from Sardinia, so uh, a TV network from mainland Italy was uh, preparing to expand uh, their reach into into Sardinia. And they played for days on end, I, th- I think on repeat, they, play, they played the Hard Rain TV special. <laughs> uh, now, you can imagine for a, a nine-year-old, kid <laughs> only exposed to uh well you know the, the pop music and italian romantic music all of a sudden you see this this video and you hear these music these these songs um it was out of this world uh, literally I, it was it was like there's something biblical about that show the way bob looks the way the band looks um no one is normal so to speak you know <laughs> Um, and, and it's powerful and it's, I think it's a great show and it's Bob, Bob, his best. I think Bob is his best when he's with his charisma and his guitar and his harmonica, he, he leads the ship, you know, he, he leads the band. Um, um, it's, it's really powerful what, what he does. Um, and, and. I remember being struck by it, and thankfully, my uh, one of my brothers, my my big brother, he's uh, uh, nine years older than me, than me. He recorded the show with a with a dictaphone, so we had the audio. And for a couple of years, that was the only Dylan we had <laughs> that we played quite quite a lot, you know. And then he started borrowing records from uh, from some of his friends and. Two records that he borrowed were Before the Flood and Live at Budokan. Now, uh, they have a lot of songs in common, these two albums, but they sound completely different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just hard to do. believe that, that he's the same man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it's all right, Ma. You know, is it the same song? Um, um, and I love both, um, and I still do. And uh, uh, I, 
I have a lot of respect for for the 1978 uh, band and uh, and for the album. Um, then, you know, I was way, you know, on my way to fandom, if you like. I wasn't a fan yet, perhaps, until the spring 90, in in the spring 1984, uh, Bob Dylan played his first ever shows in Italy. He actually started a tour in Verona at the beautiful uh, Roman Arena. And my brother went to see it. So in Italy, there was a bit of a Bob mania at that point. Uh, Short-lived, but it was there. And the thing that my brother went, and he stayed over a month because we had relatives there, meant that I had free access to his his bedroom with his cassettes. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I, I played Desire couple of times a day and and the song hurricane particularly really really spoke to me you know it's almost like it told me who i was um um you know i felt like yes i I, i'm always on the side of the underdog um and i you know i don't believe in racism (laughs) Uh, and that and i felt that as a white man i had a a white male i had a sort of a responsibility as well Mm. So I think I was exposed to the power of song. And when my brother came back, he told me everything about Bob. And I didn't even think that Bob existed. <laughs> <laughs> I had a classmate a couple of years earlier. A, class, a classmate was convinced that Bob was, had lost his legs. And, and I was huh? like, I don't think so. And I remember looking <laughs> at, the, at the pictures on the uh, Budokan album and thinking, he's ah, it looks like he's got legs. But, you know, I'm saying this because, you know, in those days, pre-internet days, you could go years without knowing anything about your, your heroes. You, didn't, you, you wouldn't know what they looked like, what they, sounded, what, what they were up to, what they uh, sounded like. Um, so, yeah, by 1984, I think it's fair to say that I was a fan. I, I have to I have to wind back for a second though. Where, where did where did the no legs thing come from? Though? Where like why that? Why why was what was the evidence that um, supposedly this person had that was suggested that yeah, he Bob didn't that, have a lower half? It has something to do with the motorcycle accident. <laughs> a full so ten was years a bit, earlier. Yeah, there was a bit of truth and then a little bit of uh you know, as songwriters I, I I did as you know as part of my degree I did a songwriting course and uh, one of the motto was don't let truth get in the way of a good story and I think that's exactly what my friend did okay but I was gutted <laughs> to think oh my god Paul Bob you know is he alive you know <laughs> he tore so much for a guy with no legs it's pretty good yeah. does he not yeah um so you know uh, uh, in the mid eighties I became a fan and. It wasn't, it was a bit rough, you know, it wasn't an easy time to be a fan of Bob Dylan, especially if you want to appeal to girls, you know. (laughs) And I used to have like competitions with uh, friends of mine who were into Duran Duran, and I had to try to persuade them why Bob was more relevant. And and I remember, you know, I used to, because the um, news about, Bob were so you know few and far in, far between. So I used to uh, uh, read and uh, 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 um, you know used to buy any magazine that would have a picture of you know the mention of Bob. And there was this particular magazine back back home, um, and there was like a comparison between 
Bob and Bruce Springsteen. Uh, this was 1985. Okay. It was so harsh on Bob, you know? Uh, yeah, I could, I could imagine. As soon as you said it, I'm like, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, you know, he's so, you know, he was old. Because that's another thing. They used to call them rock dinosaurs, you know, mm. Bob, the Stones. Because there wasn't really a blueprint on how to age, you know, as a, as a rock star. And, you know, they have, they, these guys had to pave the way for, you know, for whoever came next. Yeah. <laughs> so it was rough, but I, I love whatever he, he released in the eighties. I have to say back then, you know, I remember the first album we got, uh, first new album we got was, uh, Empire Burlesque. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. As far as I was concerned, <laughs> knocked out loaded. I loved, I mean, Brownsville girl is. <laughs> Is one of my favorite. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. Absolutely. So that, you know. Um, And then, of course, a few years later, uh, uh, Oh Mercy came out. And I I actually bought it myself. I didn't let my brother buy it. You know, I went and bought it myself. And, uh, you know, what what an album. And it's still still one of my favorites. So, and that's 1989. Great year for me because that's the first time I saw Bob live. And there was, of course, uh, you know, the traveling Wilburys. So it, it was a, was a great time to be a a, a, a Dylan fan. What was it like uh, seeing it for the first time? It must have been loomed pretty large in your imagination by that point. Oh, I was was amazing. Uh, the, um, it was in Rome uh, at a beautiful place. Um, it's uh, it's a bit like I suppose Red Rock Red Rocks in um, Denver. Is it Denver in Colorado or something? So it's like a, it's like a stairs. Uh, uh, um, so the the stage is at the bottom of these 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 steps, and I I've always almost always seen Bob from you know the first seven rows. Um, that time I was probably about the fi- on the fifth uh, step, which was at the same height uh, as the stage. So actually, the the show was opened by Edie Brickell. Hmm. With um, Mark, Mark, what's what's the drummer's name? The one that ended up playing with Bob, uh, Mark something, Mark Chamberlain. I believe it's Matt Chamberlain. You think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. the guy on uh, Rough and Rowdy Ways. Yeah. Um, so that was a great concert, at, and Bob appeared backstage in his casual clothes, and I saw Bob, and you spot Bob <laughs> by the, the the nose, the shape of the nose, really. <laughs> And I was, wow! You know, I heard this roar, and Italian audience, audiences are really loud and crazy and, and wonderful. So few of us saw Bob, and we went wild. Um, that was like an hour before he'd go on stage. And the show was great. It was the first, um, actually, it was, I've always thought that uh, uh, the bass player was, uh, was it Kenny? Uh, uh, no, uh, uh, Christopher Parker, wasn't it? That's, that sounds right. Yeah, I get he's played with so many people at this point. Yeah, yeah. I've always thought that was uh, the first, you know, uh, uh, the first uh, never-ending tour band. Mm-hmm. But actually, that's I think it was probably the fifth or sixth concert with Tony Garnier. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the show was was great. Um, uh, he he. He played uh, uh, "Mama, You've Been on My Mind," which I think I, he must have written it in Italy. Or anyway, there, there's a bunch of songs that he likes to play in Italy. One is uh, um, 
girl from from the North Country, which he wrote in Italy, I believe. So yeah, it was it was a great show, and you know, it was the first of of, of many. Um, and he was only forty seven, youngster. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So uh, how does that overlap with your decision to become a musician yourself? Uh, it's all Bob's fault, I I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> if you like Bob and you have the chance and you 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 have a uh, you are in a musical family and there's guitars uh, around the house, you know, you you hear uh, I don't know, I should be released or uh, um, I don't know, forever young, and you want you want to play it. Uh, so I got my first first guitar when I was ten. I learned a few chords and left it there. And then in 1984, probably a couple of months before the Verona uh, concerts, the Little Bob Mania in Italy, um, I I really started taking it seriously. And uh, my tennis career went went down the drain as a result. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I loved it. Um, and yeah, of course, you know, when when you're learning to play guitar, uh, Bob Bob's songs are you know accessible if you like to some extent. Uh, you know, you can you can just play a few chords and you get something that something that resembles the the original song. No, I'm sorry. Now, what do you mean by that? Do you mean it's that the chord structure is relatively simple, yes. so it's easy for you to play? Okay. Okay. Yes, you can just you you know you, if you if you if you if you can play A minor and you can play E minor, mm. you're halfway there to play the the, the, the verse of Senor. Senor <laughs> I'm playing really like a like a kid now, like one of my students. Mm. Yeah. So you know, if you if you want to play Led Zeppelin, you know, it takes a bit more time if you like. Right. So Bob, in that okay. sense, it is accessible. And also the fact that his songs are not so dependent on the arrangements. He calls about blueprints. He right. said, my albums are blueprints. Uh, that's that's one of those the secrets why he's been covered so much. You know, there's so much mm. you can do. Try to um, cover Sultans of Swing by Dire Straits without, without doing the twiddly bit at the end. <laughs> you have to do it. Whereas with Bob, you can even change the lyrics. Um, don't know if you've heard the uh, Ray Kudas version of "Need a Woman." Yes, I have. Yes, I. Yeah, have. It's, it's, it changes it changes the lyrics, so you can mm-hmm. change the lyrics, the rhythm. Uh, you can change the chords. There's a there's a version of "Blowing in the Wind" by Ziggy uh, Ziggy Marley. It's a different song, mm-hmm. you know. Everything works when it when it comes to covering Bob. That's really interesting. I never really thought of it that way, but I mean, I've always heard that that his chord structures are fairly simple. I mean, for again, for someone like me, any none of it makes any sense. So, I mean, the fact you say it's simple, but that's that's that's, a, that's an interesting idea. That's part of the reason he's covered the songs are. They're imposing, I would imagine, because they're such they're so huge in the culture, but they're accessible if you want to do it yourself. And that, of course, then that's that's going to lend to millions of cover versions. Yeah, I think it sets the 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 trend as well. You know, Bob, you know, he 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 covers his own songs in so many different ways. 
that you feel like, yes, I, I can do that. Whereas um, at the opposite end of the spectrum, you, you have the, uh, the eagles. You know, they chose to be very conservative when it comes to, uh, 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 you know, uh, rearranging the, the, the songs. And I don't know how it, I mean, I don't know how it feels to be, uh, you know, in the Eagles and having to play the song exactly the same every single night. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure it's, it, you know, it's not like working in a mine, but, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, but it, <laughs> wow, <laughs> it must be a little bit, you know, uh, frustrating. And when I, uh, I, I used to play in a, an acoustic version of uh, uh, um, Hotel California, and I, I've always made a point of improvising the solo. And I remember my fellow guitarist. Um, this was when I was uh, a uni, and my 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 friends, you know, they said, "You can't improvise that solo." Why not? You know, you know, I come, you know, Bob Dylan is my mentor. You know, I do what I want. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there are some songs that where, where people want to hear exactly what's what's in the record. Now, you mentioned to me that you you're on you have done your own version of the never ending tour. What, what does that mean? How does how does that? Uh, it, it was a bit of a cheeky uh, thing to say, but um, Leonard Coins uh, talk or sings about the Tower of Song. I'm I'm about a thousand floors below Bob in the Tower of Song, so you know what I do is is nothing. But um, I'm just a I'm, I'm just a musician who plays pretty much every night. Wow! Um, it's it's what I love. It's my job. It's the reason why I moved I moved from from Sardinia to to London 25 years ago. Hmm. Uh, and I'm lucky that people still you know ask me to to play. So I I I. I think, I think I've done more shows than Bob, way more shows than Bob because I, I've done more than five thousand, and I wow. think that is, yeah, last well the, this last year I think I did in two thousand twenty two I think I did three hundred plus shows. Holy! So what are you doing? Like two a day, kind of? I mean, uh, or are you doing? Or... Yes, yes. Tomorrow I'm doing two, for instance. Yeah. Um, now, do you get nervous in, before each one, or or do you, or is it, or not? I mean, you've done it so many times that it's it's obviously obviously you enjoy doing. You wouldn't be doing this yeah, five thousand times if you didn't enjoy it. But is it still nerve wracking to get up in front of you know in front um, of people and play? Occasionally, it depends. Like the the show I mentioned um, when I contacted you, I didn't know how to put it without sounding uh, uh, pretentious, but. Um, <laughs> I, I think you mentioned that I, I did a show with um, a couple of friends of Bob's, really. <laughs> and there was a big show in Ireland. And, and yeah, you, you, I think what, what, the reason why you get nervous is that it's not, it hasn't been rehearsed properly. You know, often you find yourself thrown in the deep end and you don't know, you know, you don't know if the show is going to work, you know. Uh, if it's a one-off show, uh, there are a lot of uh, things that could go wrong. Whereas, you know, when I do my thing, and nowadays I mostly play originals, you know, I know what I'm doing, and um, I'm just excited, but I'm not, I'm not nervous. That's amazing, five thousand. That's <laughs> that's just a staggering number. Yeah, yeah, but you know, in in a way, it's like going to the office. How many times? Uh, 
does a normal person more normal than me <laughs> some with a with a with a normal uh, uh, traditional job you know how many times do they go to the office and perhaps sure. even uh have a meeting uh and you know um you know and instruct their team what 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 to do and everything you know that's that's a performance in itself so you you, you get used to it and you know not all the shows that i do are uh, you know with uh Greg Sutton on 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 guitar uh, and uh, Paul Brady and uh, Gar uh, what's his name now <laughs> Gar Garth uh, what's his name uh, Gary Gary Brooker huh? okay Gary wherever you are uh, yeah um, it's just it's just great it's what I wanted to do and yeah I love it and that gave me the chance to play a lot of you know. In, in the last what 25 30 years to play so many of bob's songs i think there are over a hundred the songs that i i've played live which ones are the most fun to play oh dear um well don't think twice i like wiggle wiggle <laughs> i swear i swear i, I would imagine to... that'd be fun to play it's a fun song sure <laughs> when i saw bob in 91 in rome again um he played Wiggle Wiggle, and I tell you, it's a great live track. I'm it's sure it is. Yeah. Doing it, it's it's amazing. So, because <laughs> I was excited about that show and everything, I put together a band and 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 a set list, and we play. I noticed that we played Wiggle Wiggle, unbelievable, Cats in the Well, mm. and there was another one from. Um, under the red sky, I can't remember now. Um, Handy Dandy, Ten Thousand Men, Two by Two, yeah, TV talking oh, song, yeah. Born in Time. Uh, surely we did uh, from from On Mercy. We did, we did uh, Everything Is Broken. Um, mm -hmm. But there was yeah, there was a four. Oh God knows, that's the that's oh the God knows. Oh God, my yeah, favorite. Yeah. How did I leave that one out? Yeah, yeah. How did I? Yeah, um, yeah. It's growing up in uh, in Italy. Um, I think because I've I've been listening to all your shows. I think I've I've uh, it's more than a hundred now that uh, you know <laughs> I, I have a list here, um, and I highlight the one the one the ones that I've uh, I've played. Um, oh really? Oh that's cool. Somewhere you 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 ask why you know you said I wonder what what people you know in in non English speaking uh, uh, countries what you know how they get to um, like enjoy bob whether it's live or an album i probably learned most of my english <laughs> through bob <laughs> um and when you know back in 1984 when i was you know there in my brother's room listening to desire and everything he he had three three books with lyrics with you know on the left page you would have the uh, original lyric and on the right you would have the translation uh the italian translation oh okay okay so we know what you know fans would know what what he's singing about um yeah so you know i think to answer your question the one you 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 asked about 10 minutes ago uh bob was was <laughs> was you know is the reason probably the main reason why i ended up being a musician and and maybe eventually why i ended up moving to england 
Now you you've talked about you played with some guys that have played with Bob. Like in generally, do they bring it up or do you bring it up? Because they, you know, are you kind of like you want to be professional? You know, you don't want to be fanboyish at the same time. If you're playing with a guy who's played with Bob, you know, how do you not bring it up? Yeah, I I wasn't going to bring it up. I thought, well, this guy is probably tired of you know being asked about something that happened. You know, the show was in 2019, so you know, 25 or 35 years yeah. earlier. And you know, let's face it, it was just a, a two-month tour. But we got on so well, um, and it was an amazing show, um, and an even an even better rehearsal the the the, the, the previous day. And I suppose it's a, it's a bit like being uh, an actor, you know. Actors they um, they spend two months uh, somewhere, often somewhere exotic, uh, recording, um, uh, you know, filming, um, and they become like a family. And then at the end of it, that's it. You know, right. you never you're never gonna see. There's a there's a beautiful story of, don't know if you remember Roberto Benigni. Italian director and actor. He won. Sure, an life Oscar is beautiful. With, yeah, life is beautiful. Yeah, he did down by low with uh, uh, Jim Jarmusch. Uh, right, Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, with um, Tom Waits, and he said that after a few weeks, you know, of you know, just not having much of a relationship with uh, <laughs> friendship with uh, Tom Waits, they got drunk together, and Tom Waits started talking about himself, you know, and his problems and his life and everything. So you know. You have these moments, you become friends, but that usually doesn't doesn't last. But when you, you know, but you bond a lot when, you know, when you're in the thick of it, you bond, you bond a lot. And I, and that's, that happened with uh, Greg Sutton. Um, he, he lives in California, in, in LA, and he invited me over. Unfortunately, I was never able to, to go, partly because of the, of the pandemic, but, um, um so you know i felt like yeah i could i could ask him and i said look i i i'm a big <laughs> fan I, you know i don't want to bother you but um um can i ask you something <laughs> <laughs> um and you know he he was he was he was sweet uh and he loved his time with bob um he he remembers the shows in Verona. I told him that my brother was there. Um, the the show had been criticized because you know for lack of rehearsals apparently. Uh, and and Bob was asked about it because he he, he held a press co- conference in in Verona, and you know they asked him. I remember uh, they asked him uh, uh, you know about about the lack of rehearsal. And he said, and he said, no, well we we rehearsed three days for three days. So I asked I asked Greg if that was true, and he said, yeah, we 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 met for a few days and we went through the songs and that was it. Yeah, he he loved his time with Bob. He he said he met him again uh, uh, some twenty years later. So you know, um, but he went. He's I I invite everybody to um, check him out on Facebook. I think he still does every Sunday. He does what he calls Salvation Sunday. Hmm. He plays with his mates in his living room, 
And the guy wrote some amazing songs and he's such a soulful uh, singer. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's one of them. He reminds me of Keith Richards. Mm. Um, he's, got, he's got a soul that, he's got a voice that really touches your soul. Mm. And he's a great guy. And at the same show, um, yeah, as I said, Paul Brady was there, but I didn't quite make the connection. I know that Bob uh, loves his music and that mm -hmm. uh, he got Arthur McBride from him and the legs of Poncha Train, which I, I absolutely love. But I didn't know that they, they had met, that the mm -hmm. Bob asked to meet him on, uh, on the same tour, um, I think in Sloan Castle in Dublin, uh, or it could have been Wembley. Um, so there's a picture uh, which, of, of which I wasn't aware at the time when I, when I met Paul Brady. There's a picture with uh, yeah, Paul, Paul and, and Bob. But come to think of it, I think I played a guitar that had been played by Bob. Because <laughs> I, uh, I, I opened at a small uh, folk club here in London many years ago, more than 20 years ago. I, I, I opened uh, a show by Martin Carthy. Mm. And it was a, 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 an acoustic show. And he had this beautiful Martin guitar, a very old Martin guitar. Uh, that he he only plays as far as my understanding is that he only plays it with uh, when um, you know on a, a totally acoustic shows he does in, in other words he doesn't have a pickup that guitar mm -hmm. um, and I, I had a look at it after the show and you know and he said yeah have a go you know and, and I just picked it up and played it and then it, then he dawned on me that that must be the guitar that well, that could have been the guitar that Bob played. Uh, when when he stayed with Martin Carthy in uh, <laughs> 1962, 63, maybe he wrote um, "Girl from the North." Can't <laughs> <remember>. <laughs> it's kind of amazing to think Bob. You know, Bob's played with so many people at this point. I mean, he's got his, it, certainly in the hundreds, maybe even crept into the thousands at this point of just people he's played with. Yeah. I wonder, can he possibly remember them all? He probably I can't. I mean, so. it, it. You think? <laughs> yeah. On the other hand. <clears throat> I don't think he cares about them, you know. Um, I don't think he's there thinking, oh, Rob Stoner left the band uh, and I have to, you know, hire Jerry Chef. You know, I right. don't think, I don't right. think. But, you know, he, he, I was reading today the inevitable Clinton hailing on his uh, uh, life in a stolen, in stolen moments, you know, his sort of day-to-day -day chronicle of Bob's life. I was reading about the, you know, the summer 19, 1978 and Bob is, is everywhere. You know, he, you know, he comes back, comes back from Japan and Australia. He records street legal. He flies to, um, Cannes in, um, Southern France. Right. For yeah, right. For Ronaldo and Clara. Yeah. Yeah. Three days later, he's back at, uh, rundown studios in Santa Monica, uh, and and then you know there's seven shows in Los Angeles and then it's the European tour and when he's in London, I think he's got two days before the 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 the, the, the first show. And it starts, you know, it goes everywhere. It goes to a, a um, reggae club not far from where I live. It's it's in Dalston in in East London, and it goes, you know, and after that it goes to Brixton in South London for another show. 
and then he goes to see a band uh, with, uh, finally enough, Rob Stoner on bass. That's what, when they made up. Um, and so, you know, the, the guys uh, likes, likes to travel. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, you've, you've brought it up. You, you've said the words street legal. Um, yes. So, I mean, we, you know, we're going to talk about, we better talk this over, but are you, just, you know, you may have picked this song for other reasons. Are you a street legal acolyte the way so many of us are that it's yes. you feel like it's an underrated okay right great, great. it's an Absolutely. underrated record and that we, you know, we have to kind of like fight for it a little bit more than some others well yeah um street legal was always my desert island disc okay that's the one i would have taken you know on a on a i don't know two two year vac- vacation in some island on the maldives or something um <laughs> Obviously, you know, it's it's difficult to keep up with Bob because, you know, now, you know, that was pre, you know, uh, time out of mind. And then you have, you know, all these beautiful albums, in, you know, from the last, you know, in the last 25 years. So I don't know which which album I would take with me if I if I had to <laughs> choose one. But, you know, for many years, Strict Legal was was one of them. I it was it was loved in 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 Europe. I think the narrative. Um, if I could uh, speak to the people at Sony, I would say, guys, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you're aware, but uh, you know, Bob in the late seventies and and first part of the eighties, he was loved in Italy. He had a hit with um, um, man, man gave names to all the animals. Right. Yeah. That was a that was a very large hit. Yep. Yeah, uh, in France, I believe, and "Baby Stop Crying" was was a a, a hit in in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was it must have been refreshing in 1978 for Bob to come to Europe, where he was loved, and he, and you know, the number of people I've met at my gigs uh, that always say, "Oh, I've been to," I, I was at Black Bush. I don't don't know if you remember uh at the end of the european tour because the demand uh, for the <clears throat> six data else court was so high the the promoters decided to um rent a small sp- uh, uh, <laughs> organize a concert at uh, an airstrip at black bush just mm-hmm. uh, southwest of london i think um and i think there were 2000 people uh, attending was a huge show um and i've i've met so many people that have been to that to that concert and and i asked them you know how what did you think because you know because of the arrangements because of the the band the sound of the band and everything as they said we loved it you know for us in italy bob dylan was a a, a mythical um figure you know we we you know, just to have Bob Dylan in your area was was amazing. I think perhaps uh, in America was diff- different, uh, partly because you know the you know this came at, at the tail end of the you know um, the nineteen seventy four tour, and then the Rolling Thunder Review one and two. Um, so you know, I think people m- maybe were a little bit more used to Bob, and mm-hmm. um, we. You know, there's another concert in, in Nuremberg in, in, in Germany that was huge. Um, uh, 
so you know it must have been ref amazing for bob to come to europe and be treated like you know like he deserves <laughs> so okay well i mean why this one why did you want to talk about this this song like i said this is this song for me is probably in my top 20 of of my favorite wow. songs of his and it's been one that doesn't show up on a whole lot of request lists so i was really excited uh when you mentioned it so so why why this one it's it's uh i love particularly side b Mm -hmm. on street legal when we used you know, we used to have sides now i've got the cd in front of me is your love in vain senor true love tends to forget we better talk this over and where are you tonight i don't think you you you, you know not many people will agree but i love the sound of this album mm -hmm. <laughs> because the sound comes from the production uh the recording but also the band and the band sounds great this is a great band in fact in 1985 bob bob described this band as his best band the best band he's ever had up to that point it's it's a great band and uh any any song from side b you know would have would have you know i would have uh, well I, I would have been happy to discuss with you um this song it's very interesting for a few reasons one is that uh perhaps is it's it's more comprehensible than than some of the other songs on street legal <laughs> i could you know, attempt to uh, you know give an interpretation of what it's all about unlike uh changing of the guards no time to think <laughs> senior <laughs> yeah yeah and i think i think the reason is that uh, you know we have to sorry bob but we have to discuss um your private life mm -hmm. <laughs> and i'll do it uh you know in the most sensitive way i'll try uh but you know we all know that uh um you know he'd been through a divorce and it wasn't it wasn't nice it wasn't pleasant things had been said allegation had been made uh um you know so when when you go through a painful uh breakup i don't know about you uh rob but i you know i when it happened to me and there wasn't a, a, a divorce uh, thankfully i've uh, been happily married for 17 years uh 16 years but uh 16 years um but um you know you don't think straight and perhaps you don't want to think straight uh, so that a lot of the songs on street legal don't make sense because you know reality when you are in that place is not a nice thing so you don't want to deal with reality um it would be too painful and perhaps too private um whereas this song we better talk this over um it talks about the breakup uh or a breakup the narrator has been through you know a serious breakup and he's trying to be sensible and uh, but in being sensible it kind of you know goes a little bit south <laughs> <laughs> because he says you know we better talk this over um maybe when we both get sober <laughs> then he starts Start not great <laughs> he starts talking Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it's a monologue, so it's not a discussion at all. Now, whether the lady, the the uh, 
ex-partner is there or is I've always thought he's rehearsing he's he's, he's there practicing what he would say she was there <laughs> uh, so that's why he ends up in a monologue you know and obviously you know is um, there is uh, regret surely in the way he sings it it sounds like you know that there is regret for what happened there is goodwill but there's also recrimination and bitterness you know when he says uh you've been two-faced and you've been you've been double dealing you know that's not nice (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean one of the the, i'm glad you mentioned that about it that it it stands out on street legal and it's one of the things i love about it it's it's my favorite song on the record as much as i love all of street legal and i certainly love changing of the guards and uh, where are you tonight this one is my favorite song it's kind of to me it's like a uh, just like tom thumbs blues where that that's like my favorite song that's like my stealth favorite song on that record even though you've got these other towering achievements on either side of it um you know and i feel that way about street legal but street legal as a record right all the between the the music itself with all the blaring horns and the the backup singers and bob's vocals on almost all the other songs is very shouty you know, yes. and I like it. I love it. It's it's not a knock, but it's very shouty. It's very loud. Uh, you know, you know, I know, yes. like that kind of thing. And then for this song, he quiets it way down. Like it, this is like a drink of cool water. You know, when you're on a hot day, it's just, yes. and then it's going to pick back up again with where are you tonight, because then it gets crazy again. But as <laughs> you say, lyrically, this is the simplest of all the songs. At least to me, it's just the most direct. We better talk this over. And there's something about the, you know, Bob does anger really well, which we know, and Bob does love really well and extreme feels things strongly. But I, I love it when, you know, in the rare songs where Bob is kind of sort of, no, I don't want to say tender, like that that's rare, but I like his songs where he is more just me- melancholy it's it, to ramona i think about that one a lot where it's just, it's kind of just like sort of yes there's some bitter recriminations as you talk about but there's also a niceness to it there's a gentility to it yes absolutely that i really love and this situation can only get rougher why should we needlessly suffer let's call it a day go on our different ways before we decay i mean that's as you say i do think it's a guy rehearsing what he's going to say you know he's he, he's like he's waiting for the person to come home you know, <laughs> he's got yeah. it all in his head. Okay, yeah. this is what I'm going to say. Um, and you know, uh, I've been there. And yeah. but but that that second verse is like, why should we needlessly suffer? Let's call it a day. Go on our different ways. Both people, not just he's not. Why should I needlessly suffer? Why should we needlessly suffer? Yeah, and so you don't have to you know, be alone. Yeah, he's thinking of this other person as much as he's thinking of himself. But yeah, I mean, there is the double double dealing, and that that is you know. But that's what happened. And that's kind of like I think about when you when you've had conversations like that with somebody. Right. And you're trying to keep things on an even keel. And then you accidentally say something a little too. Na- you know, you're like, oh, shit, I didn't mean to say that. That's kind of what that is. It's like you've been double. Di- oh, all right. All right. You know, let me, let's get back to. Yeah, you know, clearly, clearly he's he, you know, that's, you know, they used to have great communication, presumably. Uh, but now that's that's broken and that that. So now they're probably communicating through uh, other people, uh, and there's a there's a an interesting uh, missing verse. I don't know if you if you're aware. 
Yeah, the the one from the uh the there there's there is a, a rehearsal version of this that was done before he actually started recording that, the album. Correct, yes. And yeah, that verse is, let me say, I have it here. That's what it says. Every time we'd be alone, nothing's ever right. Even when we're making love, we, it ends up in a fight, Wonderful. which is, that's an amazing term. I mean, I would have loved to have heard that in this version. The version that that's from the rehearsal is more sounding like the other street legal songs. It's yes. much more blary. And I'm like, as much as I like that verse, I'm glad that he didn't stick with that. And he went with the, the you know, the, the version that we hear on the record. There's an even, there's another one as well. You know the one we don't need any backseat drivers. Oh no, I don't know that one. What's that one? Um, we don't need any backseat drivers, hypocrites, meddlers, or cheap connivers. Wow. Both of us are survivors. Survivors. Uh, don't be confused. You'll only be used. Uh, oh, never heard that. What version is that? Is that a, um, another rehearsal? Uh, once again, Clinton Haling reports it, uh, and huh. it goes on. It's it's not it's not. It says uh, we can work this out. There is no doubt. Without having to shout, notify your advisor. They're not greedy, and I'm not a miser. That that <laughs> you are not greedy, and I'm not a miser. So he's huh. talking. I don't know if you agree, but you know, there's some legal terms here. Um, miser, mm, yeah, connivers. Why, why? And also, when he says, "I don't know what you think." Maybe there in the states, uh, uh, you know, you you can grasp something. I I, I don't. But uh, um, when he says, "But I don't think it's liable to happen," I would have used "likely to happen" and "liable to me." Mm. It's an interesting uh, word choice because you know. Has he been spending too much time with um, uh, his legal team? His lawyers? I mean, <laughs> he is using the word liable as opposed to libel, which is a little bit different. But, yeah, I never I never made that connection exactly that, you know, if you want to mishear it, uh, yeah. it that, that does sound like a legal term that he's and, talking about. And I think this is part of uh, uh, a bunch of songs that he played to some of his bandmates. In fact, I think he played it to the surviving members from the Rolling Thunder Review, um, uh, the ones that, that, that were rehired for, for, mm -hmm. for right. this man. Um, David Mansfield, uh, Rob Stoner, and Stephen Souls, perhaps. And he plays, uh, I think still you know, at the end of 1977, he plays a few new songs. Uh, and few of them were clearly about the divorce and, and, and they were quite bitter. And I right, think they, yeah. they, they, you know, they disappeared in the mist of time. <laughs> uh, so clearly, I mean, it seems to me like, you know, obviously you're going through, through a divorce, you, you write songs and then a few months later you go like, well, maybe that's a bit too harsh. Or maybe, yeah. You know, maybe right. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go there. Uh, and you know, this one, Pro, as you said, you know, there's, uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of uh, contrasting emotions here, but you know, there is uh, empathy on this song. Yes, yes, and and I, I can say I can recall when I was just getting into Bob uh, in the very late '80s, and I was, you know, grabbing every back then it was cassettes. I was grabbing every cassette uh, that I could. And, you know, when you're getting into somebody for the first time, you know, you know, the hits, you know, you know, the big songs, but this song, I remember this was one of the ones that I had never heard of. 
obviously was not a, it was never a single or anything like that. And it's never appeared on any of like his greatest hits compilations. But I remembered liking this song immediately. And then that was one of the early indications that like, I think I'm in for the long haul with this guy because it was like, I don't just love the hits. Yeah. I love this deeper stuff. There's other artists that I'm like, ah, you know, once I get past their five or six most famous songs, I kind of tune out and it's like, okay, yeah. that's fine. That That's my relationship with them. But this one, I remember just listening to this. I had my headphones on when I was in art school and working on assignments and listening to this song over and over and over again. And in fact, I even did an assignment where I had to do some collage illustrations and I worked in lyrics from this song in the collages. Hmm. I wrote like, uh, you know, uh, I wish I was a magician, you know, I mean, it was all that. That's how much I loved it. So yeah, there's, Again, there's an, as you said, there's an empathy here for for himself and for the other person that I find just to be very beguiling. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I I, I wasn't going to say this, but I I do it. Uh, (laughs) You know, something to be personal, but one one day I was being dumped by a girl. We We had a, you know, sort of summer short lived relationship. And when she broke up, I was there, you know, I didn't know what to say to her. And I quoted this song and I said, be grateful for what we share together and be glad. Oh, my. Wow. Um, thank you, Bob, for the line. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Great. It's amazing you were able to recall it in the moment. You know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, I, I, lo- I, love, the, I love the song. I love the album. And, you know, back then there were fewer albums to, to remember. <laughs> uh, and anyway, my my memory has always been good when it comes to songs. It's bad when it comes to to anything else. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah. So it's it's a great song, and I love the way he sings it on Street Legal. I've heard a few live live uh, versions from 1978. He yes. seems to to mess up the words, or you know, um, a bit, and it's a bit more shouty. Uh, but you know, when you're in front of uh, sixty thousand people, uh, it's hard to control your uh, emotions, isn't it? Right. Well, that, that, again, that's something else. That, like, again, I love all the backup singing on Street Legal. That's the sound of the record. But I love that for this song, they're paired way back. You know, yes. there isn't there. They're not wailing. You know, are we a so shamanism? You know, they're not doing any of that. You know, but you know, it's 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 much more a private conversation which again fits the fits the song but i mean i mean they sing they you know they you definitely can hear them but they're just scaled way way back and as you say when he does the live versions in 78 then they're back up again in the mix you know they're much more shouty and again i like all that stuff on the other songs but for this one it's the tone of it is just fits so much better just having a much more intimate lyric from bob and I mean, you mentioned the the line about "Don't think of me and fantasize on what we never had." Be grateful for what we've shared together and be glad. I mean, it's incredibly, again, generous of spirit. Say to somebody, and then he says, "Why should we go on watching each other through a telescope? Oh, Eventually, that. we'll hang ourselves on all this tangled rope." Which is you know, amazing turn of phrase. I mean, just un- unbelievable. And then, oh, babe, time for a new transition. I wish I was a magician. I would wave a wand and tie back the bond that we've both gone beyond. I mean, for again, as a songwriter yourself, I, I would love to know your thoughts of like the wonderful internal rhythms of those. The fact that he's got the wand bond beyond, 
you know, kind of the double rhyme, which is me, but there's something about the line and the way he sings it. I wish I was a magician that there's uh, the, such, it's so mournful and so sad. The guy that, is a natural. <laughs> That's oh. the thing. You know, he doesn't, you know, he works hard on, on his lyrics, but you know, he, his natural talent is, is amazing. And for many years, he only or almost entirely relied on his, on his, uh, uh, natural talent, you know, when he says, you know, I had to learn to do unconscious, uh, consciously what I was able to do unconsciously, you know, back in the, in the sixties, you know, it's just, and he talks like that. Yeah. Yes, he does. I'd love to have, have a conversation with him. Um, yeah, um, he's a gift. He's, he's, a, he's verbally gifted. I mean, he's a, he's good at wordplay. He's good at, we talked about this on the episode at the for No Direction Home. Like just listening to him talk, yeah, he's a captivating speaker. There are lots of other people who, in their writing, are gifted, and then you hear them talk, and you, you your mind starts to wander because they're yes. they're, just, they're not great. But he has these, uh, you know, uh, verbal loop de loops that he does, and the, his weird intonations that you're just hanging on every word. But there's again, it's just there's just something about. I mean, many people who don't can't do what he does uh like you know someone who's not a mu- not a musician like myself to me the stuff that he does is magic it is you know i mean i've said before in other episodes like just the fact you played the opening what was the chord that you played a you said the opening of this song oh. when you said we would have seen your it could be the opening of Senior oh yeah, yeah. A, a minor and E minor All right there you go like to me that's that's magic that you can just do that you know, I know I could learn it, maybe, but it just seems it seems like magic to me that you can just create that out of thin air with just what you're doing. And so, but the oh, fact that he says, "I wish I was a magician," it's like, well, you are a magician, but in yes. this in this situation, all of his powers are for naught because they yeah. can't make it work. Yeah, yeah, it's too it's too late. Uh, in this song, it's clear that it's too late. You know, he he, uh, where is the um, the one, the one hand clapping. You know, he wishes yeah. he could, he could uh, uh, turn back time. But you know, as I said earlier, you know, things have been said and allegations have been made. You know, it's too late. And also, this song is interesting, also musically, because you know, uh, I get frustrated and <laughs> occasionally irritated when I, you know, I read books or articles about Bob, and they all focus on on the lyrics. I mean, of course, you know. Is you know he's the man. He's the great. He's a great lyricist. But you know musically, musically he's, he's unique. And and what I think was happening, I I, I always think of uh, Desire and Strict Legal as part of uh, an, an aborted trilogy. <laughs> um, there was sort of uh, cut short by you know uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what a what a notion! <laughs> yeah, I think you know because you know when the when the band played the, the last show in uh, mid December nineteen seventy eight, everybody thought that you know that there was just you know they were going to reconvene a month later or a few months later. You know that 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 wasn't over as far as uh, you know everybody, including Bob, was concerned. At least that's the impression that uh, some of the musicians had. Uh, I don't remember when and where I read this, but it, I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, and I think what what Bob was doing here, you know, you often uh, mentioned that desire is the most uh, um, 
geographically diverse album mm. of Bob's. Um, and I think musically, that's what he was doing as well. I think, you know, uh, one more cup of coffee um, was inspired by, um, you know, the, the Gypsy Festival in southern right. France. Right. Um, and, you know, Scarlett Rivera is a very sort of trans-European uh, musician, I find, you know, uh, in terms of style. Obviously, she's, she's, she's American, but... Uh, um, and I think uh, that's perhaps why both albums, uh, uh, Desire and Street Legal, were well very well received in Italy and other European countries. Um, and that's what Bob was doing, uh, I think. And musically, it's the f uh, uh, 1978 is the first time that he experiments with reggae, with rhythms in general. Mm-hmm. I think an unsung hero is is Bobby Hall, the lady percussionist. Um, she's she's great, and what she brings to the band. Uh, I remember re reading an interview uh, um, from 1978 in which Bob talks about the rhythm of the soul. You know, we uh, or the dark rhythm of the soul, something like that. You know, referring to the sound of this band and 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 the album. Um, so I think Bob was really trying to broad, broaden his musical lexicon. And, and what happens on this song, which is something that I, I don't think it happens on any other uh, uh, of his songs, is that there are three different time signatures uh, in the song. Normally, uh, we play, you know, in, in, in pop rock music, it's four, four, one, two, three, four. And that's how the song starts. But then when he starts singing, there's a bar in five, four. I think we better talk this over. That's one, two, three, four, five, one, two. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's an odd time signature. Uh, which is very popular with uh, 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 progressive musicians. And it was, you know, in the 70s, there were many bands, you know, such as Genesis, Yes, uh, and the likes, you know, who would use uh, um, odd time si signatures. But in, it's not, it's never been that popular in pop music. It's something the Beatles did on um, All You Need Is Love, staying on many songs, uh, with the police and, 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 and on his own. But then what happens on the, the bridge? You don't have to be afraid of looking into my face. We've done nothing to each other. Time will not erase. There's a, there's a depending on how you want to see it, there's a bar in 6-4 or two bars, one in 2-4 and the other one in 4-4. Four, four. Um, which is once again, you know, I think it gives these this song a little bit of uh, vulnerability. Uh, when you know, if it's rock and it's four four, one two three four, you know, this is you know, you, you have no doubts, <laughs> you know, you're 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 so strong. Whereas here, <laughs> I think. We better talk this over. Oh, okay. All right. I see what you're talking about now. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't run smooth as such. Uh, we better talk this over. You know, that's that's the bar in five four. 
And it's, I can't think that Bob was there doing it consciously. It wasn't like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, be clever here and, and, uh, and, uh, and do something, you know, something new or something odd. Uh, I think it's just, uh, you know, I remember people praised, I used to praise his, his, uh, his sense of rhythm as a guitarist, you know, um, uh, he's, it's been said many times. He's he, he's like a sponge, you know. He's he 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 gets he learns from you know everywhere, and surely in his early days as a folk singer in the Greenwich Village, you know, he learned so many tricks. <laughs> and the interesting thing is that he learns things, but he will discard them at once. You know, he doesn't he doesn't care. You know, he 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 was so good at doing finger picking. He was so good. Hmm. In 1964, he decided, nah, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so he starts playing Don't Think Twice like this. Uh, so I have no doubt that he could have been uh, a very, very, very good guitarist. But he just doesn't, doesn't care. Hmm. You know, it just doesn't need to be a virtuoso. In in a way, being a virtuoso will probably get get. It would probably get in the way, uh, as it's, it's often the case. You know, if you are, you know, I love Clapton, but if you are Clapton, you, you you know, especially in his youth, you know, he had to give you an amazing solo. My brother mm-hmm. is a big fan of 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 Clapton's, and he would he would. Almost, you know, he, he would he would be waiting for the solo. He, you know, he wasn't too particularly interested in the song itself. He was all <laughs> like, "Let's hear," because you know, it was a masterpiece. A solo by Clapton is usually a masterpiece. And Bob has done this time and time again uh, with, you know, learning things, and then, you know, I'm done with it. That's um, that's so interesting about the time signatures. Again, I don't know anything about that, so I, I loved the, the way you were able to explain that. That's really marvelous because now I'm hearing the song in a really different way. I want to ask you something from that end of it, though. So as someone who has led a band, as you've talked about, right? And we know that Bob famously doesn't like to rehearse too much when he's recording the records. Like he just starts playing and he expects the band to keep up with him. And he likes that spontaneity to it. So for a song like this, when you've got multiple time changes, can you possibly expect the band to keep up with you like that? How can they know? Or is it... Is that possible? Or maybe is this something that would be rehearsed to say, okay, guys, yeah. this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do six, four, then five, four, then, you know, just no, to not completely uh, blindside but, your, your band. Yeah. I, I don't think it would be, uh, expressed in, 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 uh, in, uh, proper English. I think Bob would mm-hmm. start playing and the, and the guys would maybe start, uh, uh, write, writing down a chart and, uh, they would maybe discuss, uh, you know, with each other and 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 say, "Oh, all right, careful there." But this this was an amazing band, and um, the the live version of um, "It's All Right, Ma." I mean, if you can go through that without making any mistakes, <laughs> uh, nothing nothing will uh, will will be, will be because every line. Or every end of the verse, um, even the president, president of the United States, sometimes must have to stay stand naked. Uh, all those lines 
have a different time signature, if you like. Uh, so now I'm contradicting what I just said. Yeah, there is a song, but, uh, you know, it's a different thing. It's, you know, I actually used to play that version of uh, It's All Right Ma with a Dylan tribute band I put together in the early 90s. And the the musicians, they had to learn the lyrics or, you know, those phrases there because there was no other way because each and every... Um, sentence is uh you know shorter or longer uh, so this band was amazing and the great thing is that in fact um while preparing for this this show uh i learned because as i said i think bobby hall the percussionist is uh, uh, an unsung hero uh of this this band you know they were all amazing but uh um she says that uh Initially, you know, Bob was, uh, you know, they, they used to play card, he used to entertain them with card tricks and everything. <laughs> but later in the tour, Bob started calling band meetings where he would criticize them for, for being too formulaic. Wow. Uh, and, and she says, <laughs> she, said, uh, she said, when he spoke to us, he was not the poet. <laughs> <laughs> It's the boss getting yeah. getting reamed out by the boss. Um, oh no! So and I see that, and I think I've always thought that uh, you know when I started uh, getting bootlegs um, on cassette, um, and I heard Toronto, twelfth uh, October, nineteen seventy eight, Maple Leaf Garden. That is oh, must be you know one of the many great concerts by bob um and i think the the american leg for whatever reason was the best of the whole uh, 78 tour um the band and him i mean it was once again it's when bob is in command of the ship uh with his charisma <laughs> hmm. uh and you know he he can lead a, an army of eleven, I think, that were in that band, and get them to do what what he wants wants them to do at that particular moment, and that that happens beautifully in um, in Toronto, and in most of the um, American um, shows that I that I that I've heard. And the band, you know, by then particularly, you know, they knew they, you know, they knew what they were doing. They, they, they you can read someone's uh, body language, you know, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's the eyebrows or the, <laughs> the left foot or something. Mm. Um, and often you have uh, someone like Tony Garnier, whose eyes are always constantly on Bob, and he's, you know, he's preparing to, he's, he's ready to bounce back whatever information he. he <laughs> It's fascinating. Uh, well, right. Okay. So live version wise, um, this song has only been played 15 times live. That's it. Uh, and all of them were during the 1978 tour that you just mentioned, yeah. except for except, one. Yes. March 10th, 2000, which you can uh, in uh, uh, Anaheim, California. It's available on YouTube. Awesome. He He pulls it out and he does it a one off. And it's it's an up tempo. It's a much more up tempo version than the one on the record. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Oh, it's wonderful. Um, but 
it you know it's so funny the way we get uh, bobcats get so kind of possessive over this stuff i love this song so much it, it and and I will say, since you were nice enough to to give something personal, when I first heard the song, I had not been in a relationship yet. I had not been in anything serious. So all the sentiments expressed in the song were, to me, academic. You know, it was like, well, if I ever am, if I ever do break up with somebody, I hope I'm like this. You know, I hope this is how it ends. Now, that is not what happened. But, <laughs> but nevertheless, I, I aspired to it. You know, I aspired to be like, let's let's end this in a nice way you know and so you know the song as much as it touched me pre having my heart broken it reads very differently post having my my heart broken and i still love it that much but so anyway i love this song so much as i said it's my i would put it on my top 20 uh, favorite songs of his of all of all time yeah so when he has a song like this that does not ever that seemingly gets discarded permanently it always makes me a little sad. It always makes me feel like, does he not like it anymore? Does he just, you know, I always just feel a little like, oh, why doesn't he, you know, why did, why, why does he have such a dis- disdain? And I, of course, I'm assuming that that's what it is, which could be completely wrong. There's going to be a million reasons why he doesn't want to play X song anymore. But so if the song had only been played during the 78 tour, I'd say, oh, well, it's one of those that he just leaves behind. But by the fact that he played it once, in 2000 makes me go oh no he still does like it he can he has it in his hip pocket he just doesn't want to pull it out which is fine that's that's bob's prerogative but by the fact that it was it it came out of nowhere after 22 years they play it and then it disappears again it just it makes me feel warm towards it again i'm like oh bob he he does have he does love the song it's just he only has so many slots to play songs but just that, just that one yeah. <laughs> appearance, and it just changes the whole it. tenor to me. And he remembers it. He remembers, yeah, right? Well, okay. He he once again he messes up the lyrics a little bit, but you know, it's he he remembers he most, most of, it. of it. Yeah, he got most. Of it. And I think it's a, it's a great version. Initially, the first time I heard it, I was like, "Wow!" I mean, I was there in London in two thousand and three when he played "Romance in Durango." Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, when these things happen for, you know, for someone who's a bit mad for Bob, <laughs> you know, these things, they, I mean, you, 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 you could die there, you know, you, you, <laughs> you die with a smile. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't begin to imagine what it would feel like to be at that show and here, uh, we better talk this over. Um, <laughs> It's it's a good it's good to know that he still loves the song. Yes. Yes. I I don't know how it happened. I suspect, you know, it's uh you know, it's his uh, sort of home turf, isn't it? Uh maybe there was someone uh, maybe his new flame or uh, uh hmm. you know, his you know, one of his children or whatever. They said, "I would really like to hear this song." He said, "All right." <laughs> you know, cuz you know, we think <laughs> We think, you know, Bob is always kind of, there's a lot of uh, uh, thinking behind whatever he does. But um, I remember when, I think in 1990, he he started playing Gotta Serve Somebody again. And the reason was that G. Smith loved it. Mm -hmm. And G. Smith said, "Um, 
Bob, do you mind if uh, we play that <laughs> song today? Yeah, that's fine. You know, why not? <laughs> um, you know, sometimes you just get fed up with, um, um, you know, with whatever. And some songs are interchangeable. Um, Boots of Spanish Leather and uh, uh, Girl from the North Country are pretty much the same tune. Uh, hmm. To the point that one one time, I think in '93, he plays one, and then some you know, half an hour later or whatever, you know, he starts playing the other one, but he forgets and he starts singing. <laughs> I think it was like uh, a girl from the North Country twice, and then he realizes, um, yeah. Uh, so you know, maybe maybe it was just playing it dedicating it to someone there um, maybe somebody in the band you know maybe they were sitting yeah. around shooting the shit going hey man i love street legal why don't we ever it, you ever do we, birthday, we better talk this over <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna check the date of birth of, of all the band members now maybe we'll yeah, <laughs> i i can imagine like well no i can't imagine that's that's what makes it so special to have that kind of power you know to to, to have a catalog like this and be able to be like, hey, I could pull out a song that nobody's heard me do in a quarter century, and I can put it back in the vault after that. But tonight I'm going to do it, and for maybe a couple of dozen people in the audience, that is going to they're this is going to be a life moment for them. Yeah. You know that that I mean, you know, it's like he says he's not a magician in the song. He is. He totally is. You know, he's totally a magician. To be able to do that, to be able to be like, have somebody come to you and be like, hey, man, I love God to serve somebody. Why don't we do that? Yeah, all right. All right. Why not? You know, like, it, it's just unbelievable. So, yeah, just that one version is just, it makes me so happy just to hear him pull it out. Like, okay, he's probably yet, never going to do it again, but awesome. And yet on the same night, this, uh, uh, he on the same show, he played uh, Things Have Changed for the First Time. And it's a shame that one... Was left behind, and the other one ended up being, uh, you know, for so many years. How many versions is, of, of uh, things have changed? Has it yeah, played? he's done that you know, a lot. How, yeah, how many different arrangements? So I wish this song, you know, that I, I wish you know could have gone the same way, but unfortunately, you know, Bob had different plans, and uh, <laughs> um, you never know. Maybe next next time around, he's gonna he's gonna play it for me. Yeah, <laughs> <That> would be. <laughs> would be amazing. So, uh, well, all right. Uh, we, we have a couple of things I want to get to before we wrap up here. Uh, sure. uh, so let me ask you, um, the, 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 you know, I've been doing the exit question, which has been the, the sessions, but I can, I'll ask either one, whichever one you prefer to answer or both, which is, of course, uh, what recording session, uh, would you want to sit in on of anything of Bob's? And then the other could be what bootleg series would you want to hear next? And I, I'm going to bring that up because. Some inspired by your your story about seeing Hard Rain, right? He's seeing the Hard Rain concerts. Yes, I know we've. I think most of us have seen the article that Sony has said that the bootleg series are is quote unquote winding down. Yeah. Now whatever that means in Bob terms, that could be another ten years full of <laughs> releases. We don't know. Um, but it makes me think like there is so much material out there of him on camera that I would love if the bootleg series could start you know, maybe occasionally doing Blu-ray releases instead of, wow. you know, and do I the hard rain shows, great. Put, put the hard rain shows on a Blu-ray and put them out. I'd watch those. I mean, it's those hard rain shows are amazing to watch and you can see a lot of them on YouTube, but I would love to see a, a cleaned up version if they exist of the hard rain shows as a bootleg series. That would be an amazing thing to see. So, 
Just I'm throwing it out there, Sony. Yeah, the yeah, exactly. Uh, Sony. Um, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think uh, there's so many. Yeah, so, so, so oh, my banjo is falling on my. Uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, no, the, the, there's so much there. Uh, I'm pretty sure they they have the material. I don't know if they have the rights. Uh, I, right, I guess but, there's there's know, probably a lot of Sony. stuff that gets com- com- yeah, complicated with the yeah. the legal rights or whatever. But so anyway, let me so let me ask you, what session that if you could sit in, what would you love to to be a you fly know, every, on the wall for? Every time you ask this question to your to your uh, uh, guests, I oh, oh God, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go for it's a tie <laughs> between All Mercy. And uh, Blind Willie Mc- McTell. I think I think I'll go for Blind Blind Willie McTell. The acoustic that session. Version. Okay. Yeah, Bob, Bob on piano and Martin Offer on twelve string guitar. I remember the first time I heard it, and I remember thinking, if there is a God, <laughs> He was there between Bob and and Mark, because uh, that's such an inspired um, session p- performance. And I can imagine the way I think at uh, Power Station in New York. Um, I can imagine just Mark and Bob in the studio. It's late at night. They're not happy with the electric version they played uh, in the afternoon. And, you know, they just start this thing. And there's Bob tapping his foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he did in California, the song California back in the 60s. You know, it's something he does. And it's, it always sounded to me like a, like a, an old uh, wooden ship <laughs> somehow sort of creaking. And then he sings uh, um, about the slavery ship. And I thought, wow, that's, that's just, you know, serendipity at its best. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a great performance. And, you know, how, how, what, I would like to see what happens soon after, you know, the song. And, you know, they say, what, what happens there? Would Bob go and say, all right, that's a wrap. Let's go home. Let's go and have pizza. <laughs> no, I think, I think n- no one, no one spoke for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would have liked to have been there. All right. That's a great answer. That's, I mean, they're all great answers, but that's a great answer. So, well, uh, Davida, I thank you so much for doing this. This was a really great conversation. I love talking to musicians and, and you, 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 you have given me an insight as to why I like this song so much that I've <laughs> never known. Uh, and so that's, I'm never going to be able to unhear that, which is great because I just, <laughs> I love this song so much. So, um, it was just, it was really marvelous to, to talk to you. So thanks so much. Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, why don't you, Tell I people anytime. Oh, well, thank Yes, absolutely. So why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? Well, uh, I have a website. Um, it's davidesana.com. D-A-V-I-D-E-S-A-N-N-A.com. And there you'll find the links uh, to my social media presence or absence, I should say. <laughs> uh, um, I very busy and i you know and i'm i'm, I'm a middle-aged man <laughs> <laughs> you so do try to resist 
spending all my time on social media, but uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm there. Yeah, and you know, there's uh, I'm going to be releasing an album soon, as soon as I have uh, uh, a week to finish it, um, to finish the mixes. Uh, there's some old, you know, releases uh, available somewhere, you know, there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think there's a version of, uh, well, there is a version of uh, One More Cup of Coffee that I did with, uh, you know, in one of my albums. And it's a, it's a rock version of folk rock. Um, so, yeah, check me out if you like. And, um, yeah, see you on the road, perhaps. <laughs> well, outstanding. Again, thank you so much for doing this. So just I want to mention just one or two things before we wrap up here. First of all, I mentioned over on Bob Twitter uh, pod the pod on Twitter feed a little while ago that, uh, one of the presents we got as a wedding gift was a, um, a record player. Uh, the old one we had wasn't working right. And so, uh, one of our family members bought us a very nice one. And it's one of these big Victrola dealies that can also play CDs. And I discovered when we unpacked it, it has a cassette deck in it, wow. which <laughs> all tucked in the side. There's a cassette deck. Now, I used to own all my Bob Dylan albums on cassette, but I got rid of them all because it's a ridiculous format, but I couldn't help myself. And so I went and bought <laughs> Oh Mercy yeah. on, on cassette and I listened to it the other day. And there's a reason, you know, it's like carbon paper. There's a reason why America rejected this format because it's a little warbly and, you know, I got to flip it over and yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, but it, I got to admit it was. <laughs> It was, I got a nostalgic kick out of hearing the kathunk, you know, <laughs> get in there and it plays and was hearing Homer's is to play that album again, isn't it? Yeah, you know, so it was fun. I got it for like six bucks. So, okay. It was, wow. so now I have one Bob Dylan cassette again, uh, you know, all over again. So I have that now I have that record officially on like six different formats. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I mentioned, and it's kind of a big, big news over, over on the Bob Dylan parts is that, uh, I have been invited to be on a panel at the Bob Dylan Center as part of the world of Bob Dylan event that's going to be held from June 2nd to June 4th. There are more details to come in terms of exactly what the panel is going to be about and who I will be with and when it's going to be happening on during that weekend and all that is to come. But I will be there. My first visit to the Bob Dylan Center. I'm very excited. So um, I hope any of you that are uh, listening to this that's, that plan to be at the Bob Dylan Center in first weekend of June can come see the panel. I think it'll be highly entertaining. And I am just super excited to finally, A, get to see the center and B, get to be part of a panel that is going to be uh, marvelously exciting. So I'm very, very, very thrilled about that. We're very happy that the, that our panel got accepted. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. So hope to see you all there. So again, that's going to do it for this episode of Pod Dylan. You can find all of the back episodes on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. And if you want to support the Find Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, like these fine folks did. Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, George Doherty, Joaquin Meckel, Paul Ruther, and Henry Bernstein. Thanks for the support, fellas. So uh, that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. I want you to take Ali to live with you. He's not like me. He's a good kid. He needs a chance. I won't go. I won't go. You can't make me go. Come here, son. I think we better talk this over like a couple of men. <laughs> <laughs> 